Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I may wear glasses, but I can always see your shade. Mm, Opinions are like assholes. We all have one. I just get paid for mine. (laughs) I need a moment. Wait a second. I need a little bit of recovery time because I was like, Honestly, asshole could go in many different directions, as we have learned, most specifically probably from Real Housewives of New York. So that like, that is a, that is a, I feel like that's an audience favorite to this audience member. I'm very into it. I'm very into it. I'm very into this guest. I cannot tell you. She came on Andy's Girls earlier in the summer. I want to mm-hmm. say and literally while recording I was like when is the soonest I can ask this person back on <laughs> AG without seeming wildly insane which as you know is also correct uh and guys I'm so excited to have her back you guys it's Andy's Girls episode 249 and here she is the co-host of Daily Blast Live the host of Come Back with Erica Cobb a podcast and social media show welcome back to the people's people's couch Erica Cobb ah, damn, <laughs> I'm so happy to be here <laughs> Can I please tell you, first off, people who have listened to our first episode know this, but your studio, and that's right, guys, she has a literal, like, gorgeous, it is the most flawless thing I have ever seen in my entire life, and I just need to give you duplicate sequel style kadoos, because, my God, my God. Thank you for the kadoo. 
Um, <laughs> yes, it was an, it's kind of partially inspired by uh, Candy Burris, her mm. upholstery and in, in the second mm-hmm. house, in the second house, y'all. Of course. Um, so yeah, of it course. does have some kind of like, you know, a little bit of housewives roots. Mm. What do you think of um, Giselle's house? Um, I'm really proud. <laughs> okay, I love that boss. I I'm, love that I'm really boss. proud of people, um, you know, and when they purchase their home, that's an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she deserves to be uh, praised for being a homeowner. You know what I love about Giselle <laughs> is that she gets the same feedback, only aesthetic related, like not having to do with anything else, which she also responds to in the same way. Mm-hmm. But leaving that aside, she really does get the feedback of like, you don't have style. Like it's adorable. It's almost a character uh, trait at this point. Like you just don't have it and your design is a mess. And she doubles down. And yes. I kind of love that about her. I do too, because I, growing up, I was someone who never really understood how to dress myself, like what mm. to do with my hair. You know, I, I didn't understand those things and I was around a lot of friends and people who did. So I got kind of picked on a lot, but oh then God. as I got older, I mean, it's not something I cry about, but you know, mm. <laughs> as I got older, I realized that a lot of the things that I choose and the way I choose to express myself mm-hmm. really are rooted in how I feel the best about myself. And I think if that's truly what she doing then good for her it just seems a little off-brand for the platform that she's on yeah it's like one of those things where you know how sometimes you have to be humbled where it's like okay I need to be humbled in this moment something crazy is gonna happen and I'm just gonna like take that as like a sign from whatever to remember to keep my sense of humor and it's like Giselle's house and I mean this not but it's like a little bit of a humbling of like you know what I'm saying? Like the purple it's, wall. Is there something mm-hmm. about it? That yeah, it's, it's, it's a hodgepodge. Right. It's a little. And it has like a house connected to the house mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, Robin came over and it seems like they're besties. And Robin renovated a, and flipped a house. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was very basic, but I think it was appropriate for the level of home and neighborhood. Like she didn't go above and beyond to outprice right. in the neighborhood. But you would have thought that like, you know, she could have at least hooked her up with someone who could install a sliding glass door properly. Um, you know, things like that seem like basic bestie behaviors. Can I ask you a question? Listen, let me just say this right off the bat. I've watched Beverly Hills about three times today. <laughs> and I, I wish I was talking I wish I was saying that and it was really 1.5 but it was really two and three quarters Mm. and that's only because I ran out of time otherwise that would have been five or six (laughs) so I do want to talk to you about BH because my god but we're talking about Potomac I want to get your thoughts about Potomac and the first kind of question I have for you is how what's your experience watching Potomac versus BH Okay, so I actually, this is a conversation my husband and I have all the time because he watches Bravo with me as any oh good husband God. should. I would say marry him, but you're yeah. already married. <laughs> Do a vow renewal. They, they're they always a good idea. Yeah, don't even try it, okay? <laughs> don't even try it. No vow renewals, okay? Um, but we talk about how Beverly Hills is the aspirational mm. 
brand of Bravo mm-hmm. uh, in terms of housewives, because mm-hmm. you, this is real wealth. Like even we had the article come out about the wealthiest housewives and the top three are all from Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. So that makes you think like, oh, (laughs) I mean, this is some real, real money happening. And so with Potomac, it's a little different because Potomac is more inspirational in a way, because if you look at season one, obviously none of these women are wealthy, but they're great personalities and they make good television, but you see their growth. So I'm always cheering for, you know, oh, okay, Wendy. Yeah. Do your candle girl. Um, do your second chapter. I love a second chapter. You know, people like to see those things or, um, the La Grand, uh, the La <laughs> You know, her perfume, Um, you know, I'm cheering for their success because Mm -hmm. we can really see that happen season after season. So those are two different ways of watching it. And there are Potomac housewives with, I mean, Sharice had a fucking ton of money with that champagne room. Um, Yeah. I mean, Karen is illustrating wealth for us (laughs) with with the size of that house. Giselle is Giselle. Robin, we know Robin's story. Ashley has a fucking shit ton of money. Candace has her mom. Like, there there are connections there to money bags, but it's, you know, Beverly Hills is the performance of wealth wrapped in the uh, idea of fame and celebrity and that, like, L.A. Beverly Hills style glam. Um, Yeah. I mean, when it comes to, though, inspirational stories, how do you find yourself reacting to the not quite inspirational or aspirational, but certainly dramatic storyline with Wendy and Eddie Mm. and Ashley and Giselle? So that whole fallout um, was very interesting. And then, of course, we learned more um, from Wendy, who mm-hmm. gave her, I think she was on the Jasmine brand or something, um, where she was talking about um, what had actually happened before um, Ashley ever approached her about this story. So now we understand there's a little bit of playing dumb, playing to the camera going on. Not that we didn't know that, but for her to just say it because it clearly is affecting her. I think based on how she and Eddie got together, like I'm close with my family. I can't imagine having to choose the person that you love over your family or vice versa. So I think that she, that's just her sore spot. Like we all have something that we're super, super sensitive about and her marriage is it. I don't know if Eddie cheated or not, but clearly this blog wrote this article and a lot of people were named in the article and the whole thing with Robin, it was like, they wanted so badly to pull this in. And it almost seemed like they were trying to pull this Eddie possibly cheating storyline in for their new podcast because they talked about it in the premiere episode. Mm -hmm. So I think that had she been, you know, she reacted and she reacted very viscerally and she was obviously very upset. But I think that they were trying to play games with her marriage by putting it out there that way. And I can understand why, especially Giselle, I think she, I think Wendy was right about that. When you don't have, or your experience is so polar opposite 
of the loving marriage that at least Wendy and Eddie seem to have, then I could see her having some angst. I could see her, you know, bringing her shade and her messiness. So I do understand where Wendy was coming from. And I think they should have just left it alone at that point. I mean, there's a moment on the episode, I forget when, maybe towards the end when they're having like the group nosh, but there's a moment on the episode where Giselle says something along the lines of like, she should know better that I wasn't trying to shade her. And my reaction to that was, okay, well, there's a difference though between shade and shame. Mm -hmm. And you were certainly doing one of the two. So it's not like you're saying I wasn't trying to like drag her relationship or uh, she should know that I wasn't strategizing in that way. But the counter to that is you are then shaming her or weaponizing her body or weaponizing Mm. her relationship, which isn't exactly a win. Yeah. The, the whole body shaming thing, which is exactly what it is. It's body shaming. I mean, and that's a, beautiful body to shame okay (laughs) wendy looks like a whole supermodel this season wendy's (laughs) confessionals are actually upsetting to me i get upset because she looks like a fucking like un she doesn't look real she looks like she should be like walking down a versace runway Mm -hmm. in like mid 90s but also literally right now yeah she looks unbelievable she looks unbelievable yeah and I think that that's got that has to be especially because we know Robin isn't doing that well emotionally Mm. Giselle obviously went through this whole thing again and is (laughs) has to be embarrassed about what happened with Jamal so they're not in good spaces but Wendy clearly took this time to better herself in all of these different ways you know Mm -hmm. she decided that she was going to have this new chapter she was going to become an entrepreneur she was going to um, do something for herself after she gave birth to her third baby Mm -hmm. and for her to decide to make this move for herself and not have quote friends who are supportive, but really just kind of hating on you and and doing it in the name of some type of weird women's lib. Like the way that they, <laughs> it's so weird. Like you don't have to, you don't have to dress this way in order to be sexy. You were sexy as a professor. Well, we all know she was sexy as a professor. Wendy was trying to get her hot girl season on and that's what she's doing. And I'm here for it. I think that that's the inspiration I needed in my life, okay? Um, a thousand percent. And I feel like they're walking it back a little bit in the sense of saying, well, you know, when we meant that we didn't really like mean her looks or her surgery, we meant how she's behaving, i.e. she seems to be a different person on this season versus last. And it's like, well, babe, but you said specifically that she's like dressing loose or something like you're you're literally referencing this stuff. So like, how do you walk that back when it's like, you're but you're doing the thing that you said you're not doing it's like well I didn't mean that it's like well I don't know what to tell you you already said it multiple times and you're sort of continuing to now it's a little bit of a look it's it's insane to me because I find it so ironic no one and I mean no one in the history of housewives ever looks the same season Mm. two as they did season one not a single person not a person on that show or any other show so Mm -hmm. regardless of how you decide to switch it up everyone has switched it up so let's not act like this is some type of weird anomaly just because she happened to to 
bring some sex appeal to it. I don't see a problem with this. Yeah, and there's such a thing known as the second season curse, and that has to do with the performative aspect or strategic Mm -hmm. aspect of being a housewife and coming into your own and getting adoration or maybe not and changing direction. Wendy is not the first person in the history of housewives to have decided to show a different part of herself and the ways that they're discussing it make it sound like she's the OG of this, which is not (laughs) correct in any way. I mean, but it was like an episode of some strange moments. So we have the last couple episodes of like the weaponization of her choices of how she wants to pursue self-care, including, um, uh, you know, plastic surgery and whatever else which she has every which Wendy has every right to do and and she looks fantastic and then there are other examples of it i.e. Michael Darby saying in the car with Ashley like don't worry I still want to fuck you like you don't man you don't don't worry like you're losing the weight or you feel free to fact check me because I genuinely don't remember the actual phrasing because I was outside of my body at that point (laughs) um but it was very much a weird time to be because there there was no woman's body on this episode that seemingly wasn't being weaponized either by a fellow woman cast member Mm. or god forbid a person's husband I mean like Ashley literally just birthed a human being and Michael's like listen don't worry I'm gonna wait for you yeah like that should be a surprise you know, it was tough. It was a tough watch. It was very, everything came back to him. Mm-hmm. And like, not that the dad isn't important in this. I mean, that's how the baby got here. But <laughs> in this moment, he is nowhere on, on the radar of the top most important person. And everything that he said had to do with him. Well, you know, you don't look overweight, so that's good for me. Um, <sighs> well, if we get this done, then we'll have more time for me. And it's like, yo, like, can she heal? I mean, l- let let her heal. Also, it's got to be hurting down there. Right. Also, shouldn't you want to just like, aside from the fact that she's given birth, like, the idea of setting the expectation that if your wife's body changes in any way that you that it will not be essentially good enough for him almost regardless of the fact that she's a new mom but it is i to me substantially worse the fact that she's a new mom it is a wild like and that's the man who's cheated multiple times mm-hmm. and he's weaponizing her body in that way or challenging her in that way through the auspices of like being nice see here is the subtext of this entire relationship it is a million percent transactional Mm -hmm. and they have a deal and they don't even try to hide it like it's just that obvious she is the hot young thing And he is the one who brings home the bacon. And they had a very adventurous sex life that they were both very much into. And that worked. But then you remember back to like season two, when he first started introducing the idea or whatever season, like maybe the first Mm -hmm, couple mm -hmm. seasons she was on. 
And she kept introducing the idea of wanting to have a baby. And he was dead set against wanting one because he has adult children and he's done with that part of his life. Mm -hmm. So the idea that she now kept saying, because you know, it was all Ashley. Like he wasn't like, yes, give me another baby. Um, so the idea that she pushed it to have the child, but also she's brought up the fact that if she has a baby in the prenup, if she has more than one baby in the prenup, everything is about this very transactional thing. So it's not surprising to me that he would look at her as another transaction and be like, well, in our contract, you have to get mm. back in shape. Like that's kind of what this entire thing looks to be about. That is such a that is absolutely such a good point. And the counter to it in terms of transactional relationships, I would think is Candace and Chris. Candace You just gasped your body. Talk about body language. Oh my god, this shift. I'm so I am very ready for your response to this. But the the lack of understanding or I don't even know conversation doesn't feel like the right term, but the lack of awareness, I, I think of, of Candace in understanding that nothing in life is ever free. She should know this because the money that her mom gave her always had a cost. I oh, would yeah. argue a cost that was like way too high when it comes to her own like mental health and relationship and whatever else, baggage, whatever, however you want to phrase it. But the Chris stuff of like, how dare you not be available? You, man, I am looking to to do this work without getting a cut. Like Chris Jenner is a very powerful and successful manager of her kids and she always takes a percentage like mm -hmm. where the the complete it's like the diametrical opposite to what we're seeing with Michael and Ashley not to say that either of them are good but the environment the expectation that Candace has for Chris as a not even partner or collaborator but support doesn't it doesn't to me bode well for her career or her marriage mm. you know i i do understand <laughs> um for because chris did give the example i thought it was a really great example of how candace supported him mm. when he opened his restaurant yes. but there's something very different about mm -hmm. opening a restaurant and vol volunteering you know so you yeah. can be the support for your husband by hostessing for a few mm -hmm. hours and oh okay so in return you run my entire life and I just <laughs> scream at you like it's that that does not you know it's it's not equal at all it's not equal or equitable I think Candace is going to be much better around um her second marriage um it, because she's going to learn so so much from this um, you know, I, I do like Candace. I think that Candace is um, talented and she's beautiful. And I think she just has this last piece of growing up to do. But the reason why I say her second marriage is I understand Candace. It, it, I understand this dynamic a little bit. It, I've never been in a volatile because this feels volatile sometimes. Mm. The way she speaks to him, telling him to shut the F up, like things like that. 
I would never say that to someone who I was in love with. I, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't say it to my husband. And I certainly wouldn't say it on camera. But she's so used to speaking to him like that. Mm -hmm. She doesn't even try to cover it up. So I think that's problematic. But you want to know how I know that she does not want to have a baby and that this will not end well? Uh, yeah. She's still using condoms. Ding, da, ding, 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 ding. Let me tell you, I've been in a very, very committed relationship because I am a divorcee. When you are still using condoms, that is the biggest red flag to say, I am not comfortable procreating with you in this moment. As long as that condom stays on and you are married, you are not comfortable procreating with this person. You don't feel like this is right. Okay, wait. My question to that is, but has she, they haven't discussed the fact that they're actively trying. So why is the condom use surprising? So I say this because there's a level of intimacy, like when you're in an interpersonal relationship, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're married, that level of in intimacy, it, it becomes more intense. And the fact that it's one thing to use a condom because for whatever reason, like you don't want to yeah. put chemicals, whatever sure, it is. Sure, sure. But it's something completely different to make it a topic of conversation. If you're really out there letting everyone know that you are requiring your husband to wear a condom every time you have sex, but you also occasionally throw out like, oh, I think I'm ready now. I think I'm ready. And he's like, well, can we stop using condoms? You know, mm. that just that's a huge red flag for me. I could be totally wrong, but I'm going to tell you based on experience, I do not believe I am. So do you think that she is still because I think that she herself would say that she's still trying to figure out if motherhood is the route that she wants to go down, although I could be completely wrong. I might be completely misremembering this because I do sort of leave my body when she's on screen. Yeah. <laughs> um, she waffles yeah. back and forth right, sometimes because right, right. she tried to connect with Ashley at the beginning of last season by mm -hmm. saying, I think I'm ready to have a child. And that was kind of like their connection. And then that blew up. So she's brought it up. I think ultimately she's kind of putting it out there so that it leads to a future storyline. But I don't think it's going to lead to a future baby with Chris. And I wonder how much of that has to do with just the natural instinctive idea of, I mean, that is family planning at the end of the day. That is making the decision of how you want to grow your family, if at all. And how much of that is Ashley, uh, Ashley, oh my God, Candace still wanting to cut ties and kind of step out of the relationship that she has with her mom, which has been so overwhelming. I mean, mm -hmm. when we talk about the ways that she speaks to Chris, my thought is, of course, she's not going to hide it. I don't know that she notices that she's saying these things. And I think probably a lot of it has to do with the ways that her mom spoke to her. It's like sometimes your love language can just be the repetition of bad behavior. And yeah. I think with Candace, she's she was in that cycle for so long and maybe still is that this is just the dynamic that she's known. I mean, I've seen I've never been married. Hello, fellas. Um, but I have seen. <laughs> friends get married or pursue long-term relationships and seemingly duplicate the relationships that they have seen their loved ones, parents mm. or whomever is close in their life uh, originate where it's like, yeah, I'm going to yell at this person 
constantly, consistently, because that is a dynamic that I saw. That's the ways that I saw people express love to each other. Sometimes it's just like the, the nature of, you know, how you feel about PDA. Like I grew up in, my parents have been married for 750 years. They're going to be married, I think, 52 years in, um, yeah, in October, shout out Vietnam. Like they were Vietnam married babies, like 21 and 22 when they got married. Wait, maybe they've been married for longer than that. I should know. Um, I'll find that out soon. But, um, and then they waited 150 years to have kids. But, you know, I didn't grow up in an environment where I saw my parents kiss each other or ex- or express affection. There were other ways of them showing each other and myself and my brother their love, but it wasn't necessarily in affection. And as a result, in relationships, like I, I sometimes get a little fidgety about PDA because mm-hmm. it just isn't something that I was used to. And I don't know that that's a... a perfect connection to what Candace is expressing especially because her expression of uh, not even affection but partnership is somewhat toxic but it could have some sort of tie back to the environment that she saw when she was younger whether it has to do with the way that her mom spoke to her or the ways that her parents divorce impacted her you know there's not some there's a lot of examples of ways that this has kind of distorted her idea of what makes a relationship work. And I, I agree with that. I think we absolutely model our, what we've seen, whether it's our parents or people who we just hold to a higher standard, you know, mm-hmm. who we're emulating. But to me, she's been on the show long enough and she has emasculated him enough times on the show that at this point, it's an intentional choice. So you have to make a decision. Do you want to have an actual viable, healthy marriage and figure out how to bring that to the show? Or do you want to use your marriage as a storyline to catapult your career on the show? Because both of those things cannot coexist. And if you want to make sure that your marriage is not going to last or your husband is eventually going to just stop respecting you altogether, start talking to him like that. That's all I'm saying. No, I think you're I think you're right. And I don't think that marriage or any kind of long term relationship necessarily uh, requires or should consider the benefit of writing a permission slip to be demonstrably mean to someone like I don't think that uh I I don't know I have not again once again I have not been married before but I don't um not including my shoes and that is a very committed long-term relationship (laughs) but I I don't know the level of um not normalcy but like the sense of being comfortable in someone's presence, I would think can open up a lot of different avenues of like, we have a shorthand with each other, or maybe because I'm seeing you so much, I will have a lighter, a shorter fuse rather. With Candace though, it's such an interesting expression because she seems to benefit from making people feel bad. She Mm. seems to write herself a permission slip of if I am mad at a situation or a scenario, there are truly no rules, which means if you're filming with co-stars and you are explicitly body shaming and then making a joke of someone calling you out and doubling down body shaming 
a woman, a new mother, and doing it repeatedly, making very odd and cruel jokes about her uh, uh, breastfeeding, saying things about milkmaids that, from what my understanding, has a really nasty past and you could mm-hmm. maybe go down an avenue of colorism yeah. and uh, just a an ugly history and this is something that she does consistently she looks for what is the most sensitive thing that i can exploit or press up upon to make you feel a certain way because i deserve to do that And couple that with, as you said, a level of immaturity or just like instinctive reactionary behavior. And I just have to wonder, like, will Candace ever understand the ways that these things are bad or will she just continue to make it into an LOL? She will continue to make it into an LOL unless there's I mean. Think about it. I do not condone at all a physical altercation between her and Monique. Oh, I know. But if if that did not teach her, like I listen, I got jumped in high school by two girls. Oh my god. There are certain things that I don't do anymore. And that's like if somebody is going off and popping off of me crazy, I just walk away. I'm not gonna try to even like de-escalate or reason with that person because at that point, it's a wrap. Like I learned a valuable lesson about a lot of things that day that stayed with me since I was 16 years old. Mm. Candace forgot last year. Like she just forgot, you know? It's like, she doesn't remember, like there's no connection there. And I think what you said about the context of some of the things that she has said to people that are so problematic, they are so racially motivated. Like she, she posted something and I won't even repeat exactly what it was, but when a black woman is married to a white man and I am an, and I'm a black woman married to a white man as well. There are certain terms that people will use to describe you. And it's supposed to be like the worst thing you can possibly call someone. She called Ashley that on text. That was the first time where I was like, there might be an issue here. Or maybe she's so like connected to it that she's like, she's trying to take power back in it by putting it on someone. Like I would just never, ever say something like that and it was just so disturbing like even the undertones of like the roaches and stuff like it was Mm. she was basically taking things that have been used to disseminate and dismiss african-americans in this country and using them from her mouth and her twitter fingers to another black woman like it, it that to me i can understand why people are like i can't stand her i'm i'm like i'm not gonna say i can't stand her i think i see her but and, and i think that she probably has some growing in therapy to do but things like that it, it that's problematic on a next level that's something you need help for and does she not know that she's married to a white man? I mean, is that where we get the jokes of like, but he's got a brown dick? Because he he literally does not. He is a white man. Yeah. So how much of this is projecting? Because she constantly references that Ashley is married to a white man. But 
so is Candace. So is this a projection of shame of I'm going to pass over myself and go straight to you with the stuff that I assume that other people are saying about me or stuff that people explicitly have? Yeah, I think um, this is kind of like, to me, it reads a little like, yes, it reads like I'm going to highlight what's happening over here. So it takes the heat off of me. Because I mean, to be really honest, like, it's not like you're I'm not looking for some oppression, like pity or anything, but being in interracial relationships at times can be difficult um, when people are constantly trying to interject and say things to you like no one, but there's always going to be something. There's never going to be the epitome of a perfect relationship where no one ever says or talks smack about what what's going on there. But it does seem like she tries to overcompensate to make it seem like her husband's just really down. So it's like, he's white, but he's like, you know, an ally down, down, because you think about the, the wedding vows. He used all of these R&B lyrics to put it all together. And she ate that ish up. Okay. She ate it up. And all the rest of us were like, what was, I mean, it's okay. You can be white. (laughs) You can be married to a white guy and be a black woman. It's going to be okay, baby. It really is. It's all going to be okay. Just like, just own what your decisions own your relationships celebrate yourselves like don't try to like compensate for everything that someone's going to throw at you because you will never win that game and i mean she could argue to herself that she won the game against monique because monique chose not to come back and candace is still there but when it comes to everything else i mean People have asked me about this, and I really don't want to go into details about it for my own uh, sense of things. But, you know, she went on social media last when even I don't even know what year we're in. It could have been seven years ago at this point. (laughs) But she went on at some point in the last calendar year and said a lot of uh, body and fat shaming comments about someone that she was in an online feud with. And I'm sure the things that this person said to her were vile and terrible. And her reaction to them was to be like, uh, to say repeatedly that they were morbidly obese and they can't breathe and they're probably going to die. And said a lot of derogatory triggering things and, and in a terrible uh, epilogue to this, that person that she was attacking, unfortunately, died um, uh, at some point following. And um, I remarked on social that, you know, what I think is a relatively innocuous comment, um, relatively, I also do know what I'm doing, uh, though sometimes I like don't love the after effect of it. But I did say that like body and fat shaming isn't okay. And regardless of what, you know, the circumstances at the end of the day, as someone who experiences disordered eating and have essentially the entirety of my life, hearing those kinds of comments um, can be really triggering. Just like I've heard from people who were triggered by Michael's comments this week because they felt like mm. they weren't, they didn't expect it. And that's the thing with the trigger. Sometimes you don't, you know that it's there or you might not know that it's there until that line is crossed. And um, and people who were triggered by Candace's comments. And I, I put that up on social because I have a platform and it's something I feel uh, personally um uh, I feel sort of responsible for sometimes standing up for things that matter to me. Um, even if there's a mental health component that can make that kind of difficult. And mm-hmm. she was very reactive and punitive with me directly. She said a lot of 
really terrible things to me in comments over a series of very long, extensive messages. And I tried to deescalate because I'm insane and have been in really toxic relationships where I'm like, oh, but as long as you feel better, I'm fine. And um, and it was really a bad spot. And then I got further. <laughs> you know, there were some people who were team Candace were like, well, blah, 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 blah. It just it was a really tough dynamic i i have had her blocked since i don't feel comfortable with her uh contacting me in any way because i don't i don't um the the uh, absolute honest answer is like i don't trust myself to be able to withstand it because anything that has to do with my eating disorder is like the absolute most sensitive aspect of of my life and her ability to to weaponize it was not good so i watch her in these moments on these episodes and you know, I think Candace is such an interesting housewife who has a lot to offer in the conversations about her mom and and in the conversations with Chris and just her interactions with with the women. But there is a revolving pattern here of someone who seemingly I think this is the most fucked up thing to me is like, I think she enjoys doing it. And I think mm-hmm. it's coming from a place of pain. But there's also something masochistic to be honest about looking for the most sensitive spot and pushing up against it and I there's something to be said for reactionary people like you look at Brandy Glanville who's a a whirlwind of chaos and has said and done wild things you can say that about several different housewives she just comes to mind because of Beverly Hills but with Candace it's like I think she, there's an element of pleasure that she takes out of saying these things. And I watched her interaction with Ashley. I heard about it before I watched it. So I waited to watch the full episode as long as humanly possible. And I finally watched it and I was like, oh, that's not great. But I also know Candace. I know enough of Candace to arm myself for the reality that she will go down this path more often than not Mm. and I looked at the ways that she was reacting to Ashley who in the moment was like cool you're body shaming me and Candace's response was something along the lines of like when you walk into a room you body shame yourself which is that's that's a tough thing to and yet Mm -hmm. what are we what are we looking for here I I don't think that Candace it's maybe this is unfair but like I don't know that she has the capacity to empathize if that empathy requires taking responsibility for her behavior Mm. I don't think that she can go that extra step and I think that she demands empathy which is fine we all sort of should when you think about it but the flip side to that is you're looking at a woman who just gave, regardless, it doesn't, again, if some, you, sh- you should not be body shamed regardless. It is to me, though, as someone who hasn't given birth, an extra layer of fucked to look at a woman who is, has dealt with postpartum, which she's been honest about and open about rather, not honest, but open about, and to look at her and say, what are the aspects of you bringing a child into this world that I can use as a way to further wound? Mm. And I just have to wonder, like, you know, as someone who's experienced the best and and sometimes not so great aspects of Candace, 
um, it's the level of wanting to and seemingly enjoying wounding in a way that's like so far below the bar or the whatever phrase you want to use. It's it's so it it cuts so deep that it doesn't leave a lot of room for understanding why this is happening because. I sort of fast forward to the end and I'm like, it's never going to stop. Yeah, no, I think, well, first of all, I'm truly sorry that that happened to you. And I, I, I really am. Cause it's like, you know, here's the thing on, and I'll just say our end because what you're doing in terms of you are a super fan, right? Like you make Amen. this ship, you make this ship sail. Like if there wasn't this type of or level of investment mm -hmm. in these franchises, then no one would have an opportunity to get on and do anything. So there is this give and take, like there has to be this expectation that there is going to be conversation and that conversation is going to be polarizing, but you want that. It's almost like you, I always say when people are like, why don't you block people on your social media? And I do, if it's like egregious, mm -hmm. but I don't block people who come on and start, try to start something because generally they find something in someone else who comes onto my page for whatever reason. And they start these whole like back and forths. And sometimes it gets a little foul, but at the end of the day, the algorithm doesn't care. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> it does not care. It can be good, bad, or indifferent. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you want to get me another, you know, 10,000 views by coming on and having full conversations. Mm. Like I understand that because I put myself in a situation every day at work mm -hmm. where I am commenting on everything from politics to mm. race, to socioeconomic, like all of these different things. And it's my opinion from mm -hmm. my level of understanding. And even at the table, we don't all agree as an ensemble. So I fully expect for people to engage and disagree when it comes to social media. What I don't expect if from myself or any of my co-hosts is for us to be going toe to toe and actually do saying things to people to try to truly bring them down. Like there, that that's where the level, like that's where it has to stop. And I think the idea that someone would spend that much time, it's like time is such a precious commodity. And this is a woman who is trying to launch her music career mm -hmm. and she's trying to, you know, be the reality show person. And she's trying to, I guess, do whatever her household is required for her to do. How do you find the time? Because if you have time to go on to people that you don't really know and try to dismantle them with your words, then that means there's something in these other buckets there's serious energy lacking over here. So I'm almost sad for people like that than I am angry about it. But also it wasn't directed to me yet. Um, so I do say that that you shouldn't be subjected to that. And I would have blocked her too. Yeah, it was. Oh, it, first off, thank you for saying that. And I think that's a really important perspective to hear. And with Candace, it's like, I just, it's, you know, people love to drag Giselle and there's reason to, and Lord knows Karen loves to do it 24 seven. Yeah. And there's a level of like, okay, they are maybe really pissed at each other right now, but like, even then it's lobbed in such a way that it's, it is something. And I saw from people who were 
Team Candy who are bouncing back a little bit the ire of the body shaming stuff by being like, well, I didn't hear when you were saying Karen was talking about Giselle's fat vagina or whatever the comment was. And I saw that stuff and I was like, okay, well, from the perspective of just me, one person with one voice, body shaming is not okay. I'm sure there are things that Karen has said that absolutely have crossed lines, but you also have to like look at it through the lens of what is actually being said and what's the point of it. Like how much shame is being weaponized in this moment. And I just think that Candace utilizes shame. We all have our triggers. And for me, I think shame is like my number one. And the ways that she is able to weaponize it in such a punitive way where it's not the after effect, it's like the actual mission is Mm -hmm. really tough because that is a person who has obviously experienced really difficult, uh, you could argue emotionally abusive relationships with her mom, who is a therapist, which is a higher level of fuckery when the person is weaponizing mental health diagnoses against you. You know, she wasn't necessarily set up to succeed by being in those dynamics. She is also a grown woman. And I think that she gets a lot of leeway because it's funny. She's very quick. She's obviously um, she has she has a fascinating and sometimes like really uh, excellent use of words and the ways that she's describing things that are genuinely funny but Mm -hmm. when it crosses the line she seems to double down in a way that's like different from anyone else in that cast I could never Giselle is a grown-ass woman like you can talk about the stuff that she's done on camera or whatever as part of the narrative but I look at every single person no one would ever respond in the ways that she has and I don't think that's a question of age I think it's a question of like environment and she's not, I hope I'm wrong saying this, but like, I just don't see her ever changing. She's getting something out of it is the thing that frustrates me. She's, she's getting, it feels like she's getting pleasure out of it. And that's where I'm like, Oh, like there's other shit, like drag (laughs) Ashley. There's other stuff to say, to say that her literal size of her body is ugly and that she should be ashamed of it ashamed of literally walking in the room is so triggering to so Mm -hmm. many people at home of all it's like your size doesn't matter it's the way that you look at yourself right and so we talk about body shaming and fat shaming and it's really the idea that someone is looking at you and they're their goal is to make you feel less than that you are not enough as the the experience of living in the shell that you know surrounds you you are your soul your being your personality your brain your heart but that will never be enough unless I think you look good and Mm -hmm. it's just so we all have our triggers I just think it's like so terribly dark it's an ugly it's an ugly 
narrative to pursue and she's gonna do it maybe forever (laughs) you know so it's like and then how do we separate that from Candace or continue to connect it because I do think there's like conversations to be had you know I was having one with a content creator um over (laughs) voice notes this week in my dms about and she this person brought this up which I thought was so smart and like the ways that Candace might look at Ashley's ability to repair her relationship with her mom or Ashley's ability to repair things with Michael and like look at that and maybe she's experiencing jealousy from that because she's maybe not as further far along with her own relationship with her mom who knows you know there are avenues of discussion to do but she just she makes it really hard to empathize because I see her repeating the same behavior off camera as on And every time I think to myself, like, I'm giving you what you want because I feel pain, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't know the counter to that. I want a, I want her, I can't want her to learn from this more than she does. She obviously doesn't. She's said it. She's showing us that she doesn't. Like, what is left after this? Yeah, I I'm really not sure. I'm I'm not sure because and when you look at the back and forth and I I'm glad that she has some support. I mean, I wouldn't want anybody to have no support at all. Um <laughs> like I question the support a little bit <laughs> sometimes. But um yeah, people have said, why do people keep saying that um Candace is jealous of Ashley? And they name all these reasons why Candace can't possibly be jealous of Ashley. But I'm of the school of thought that Candace doesn't really see herself as she is, like Mm. as she truly is. She sees herself as everyone else has told her she is. Oh my God. And if she saw herself the way that she truly could be sans all of the, you know, the the crazy out, you know, (laughs) things that she that come out of her mouth um I think that she would be a much happier person because she doesn't come across as a person who holds joy you know like some people just have like have that she doesn't and Ashley is one of those people Mm. like Ashley and people say that it's not you know um it's it's an act or it's because you know everything is contrived but i don't think that certain emotions can really be contrived for the long haul and even though ashley herself has been very nasty to people in the past i don't know if it meets the barometer of where candace has gone sometimes Mm -hmm. um but i know that she's been less than nice and she's been outright nasty um but she holds joy Like she just has this aura about her and it's, I don't know if it's her resiliency or, you know, her determination to, to get to whatever the goal is, because quite frankly, at this point, we don't know what it is. Um, So whether it's like, I got my two babies, let me divorce this ass. Let me get my money. Let me get the hell out of here. You know, whatever it is, she holds a sense of joy. And I think that sometimes when you're looking at people, especially someone like, Keep in mind, like these women are all amazing, fantastic women when it really comes down to it. There's something special about all of them. But I think that it's almost like um, Ashley reminds Candace of whatever people said that she wasn't because Ashley was like she has always been um, kind of compared to the Ashley's 
of the world is how it comes across to me. So when she brought up the whole idea of colorism and which was something that I was really diving deep into because I, I mean, I'm a dark skin black woman. Like I, I want to hear that and see where it's coming from. But it was strange to me that she brought that up and that's what was being used when then she used these really historically degrading, nasty words from slavery um, to weaponize it against a woman of color. And I that I, I cannot reconcile in my head. Yeah, I don't know. It's just... And it's, I, it's like a part of it's, I don't want to like take out the element of like, she needs to be accountable to herself and for her behavior. But I just am also like, it feels unrealistic to anticipate her understanding or empathizing with the people who are on the other side of it, because she, there will always be someone, there will always in your life be someone who you feel like is doing things that you think are reprehensible or gross or, you know, you're throwing a weekend event and this person comes in and fucks with it. Or, you know, you think that Ashley is getting glee out of the situation that happened in her life and in all of our lives. There's always going to be someone who maybe is looking to push your buttons and that sometimes can merit a response, but the scale and bar there. I think also matter and I have not seen Candace to this is what her third season fourth third just season six Uh. I want to say it's like her third or fourth season and Mm -hmm. I don't remember a time where she took real responsibility in the ways that a person does where they grow I think Candace has grown I absolutely think she has grown in her time on Housewives I think she's actually honestly gen- generally speaking have a, having a really great season um I think that requires sometimes stepping out of oneself in order to like find empathy but it is possible and I think it's important to do but I don't remember genuinely and I could be totally wrong I just I don't remember an example of Candace doing the work to change behavior and she is one of those people who is her own worst advocate because of the ways that she reacts to the television show on her own time online Mm. you know like that's where it becomes tough because it's like well how do we navigate the conversation of her time on the show and hope that she's going to shift or grow which is our own expectation for her which she might not want to do when she's doubling down online she like makes it into a joke I mean listen maybe she's watching Beverly Hills I don't know yeah. <laughs> yeah, I you know I've to me I have just never in the history of housewives ever heard Andy Cohen call mm. someone a disaster on Twitter <laughs> I mean that was like, I stood up and kind of like clutched mm-hmm. my air pearls. I was like, did he just, in the way he said it, like mm-hmm. it was so with such intensity because we all knew 
it was true. Like there wasn't like a person, even like the, her fans are like, I, I mean, a lot of people are like, he's never said that to any of the white guys. And I'm like, okay, don't even try. Actually, no, let's just be real honest because he he's made similar remarks to Kelly Dodd, who also, um, oh God, you know, deserved it. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's all I got to say about that disaster on Twitter. Yeah, and I do want to shift gears a little bit. So Candace and TVD, um, but I do want to get your thoughts on Beverly Hills because I feel like we've just had these fucking Olympian level episodes every week where it's just so intense, so intense, so intense. There's no letting up. They're like literally grabbing us holding us to the screen, keeping our eyelids open, making sure that we're seeing every second of this. And a lot of people feel a lot of, <laughs> excuse me, different ways online. Erica has been pretty consistent. Good for her. Um, <laughs> but I want to know your thoughts with this week's episode and just with the trajectory of Erica, how do you as a housewife super fan and someone who in a professional sense is often talking about, you know, things that are happening that matter in the news and, you know, the element of pop culture that's representative there. How are you watching her hold strong? Ooh, Lordy. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah, you know, I was, I was always an Erica Jane fan because she was seemingly unapologetically who she was. Mm -hmm whether people loved it or hated it. And I have a lot of respect for that. When this story came down, I was like, oh dear. Oh my God. Oh dear. And I was at work and I mean, there was like, I'm trying to read in between. Actually, actually, this is how it unfolded. So you know who told me that Erica Jane and Tom Girardi filed for divorce? Jana Kramer. Jana Kramer, oh. who was still with Mike Cawson at that time, broke the news to me. I was interviewing her and I hadn't had a chance to look at my phone. So that's how, and she's like, yeah, and I, we had went through this whole, like this whole conversation about it. Cause I was like, there is no way. So I was completely, I, I mean, I've been completely engaged in this now originally, and everybody's had their swings, right? So originally I was mm -hmm. like, okay, so they're getting divorced because blah, blah, blah. And then like, they have this, they're in cahoots. They're in cahoots. Um, they're, they teamed up and she's going to leave him and da, 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 whatever, which I feel like was kind of a little, it, it, I don't know if it confirmed, but it certainly satisfied a lot of people's suspicions when she slipped up and said that he called her every day after she said she hadn't heard from him mm. since the day that he walked into the law firm. So that was interesting. Her quote, holding strong has taken on a whole new level because I firmly believe that when she started the season, she thought that she was going to be able to be in control of the narrative, mm. but she did not account for the justice system. Okay. <laughs> this is what happens. Okay. 
everyone has a right to a speedy trial. However, that speedy trial is at the request of the defendant. Generally, in trials like this, it's so, I'm not a lawyer, I'm just telling you what my understanding based on the cases that I've studied, okay? Um, Because it's to get your affairs in order if you're uh, chasing a lot of jails or if you're facing a lot of jail time. So it gives you an opportunity to get everything just in case they're like, okay, you're going directly to the clink. So the idea that all of this information would come out as they were filming and it was like a back-to-back thing after they announced that they had filed, I believe was purposely done by the FBI, the, the attorneys, the judicials, like they're all in on it. I believe that all of like the LA Times article leaked when they were in La Quinta, like all of that has been orchestrated from the beginning. So Erica never knows where things are come, like when they're going to come at her, because I don't think she really anticipated it happening in real time like this. Wait, sorry, say that to me one more time. So you think that it was done in coordination because of production? Yes. Yes, I do. You think that because the the article it didn't it didn't leak. It was published while they right. were in La Quinta. Okay. Yeah. No, I I believe the whole thing. I believe all of it is in cahoots. I I truly believe this. Yes, and I've had several conversations of, with prominent attorneys about this to ask them if they think I'm crazy, and none of them think I'm crazy. And the purpose of it is what? Because initially when the story was breaking, um, they, she, so basically at that point, she thought she could get away with saying, oh, Tom had this accident. So that whole, when she laid out that entire thing about three years ago, everything changed, all this stuff, she was trying to come up with this whole, this is just a divorce story Mm -hmm. at this point, but she didn't anticipate all of these nuggets falling while cameras were live so the uh, the orchestration of the la times article and all of these things that have been happening in terms of like the uh deposition and the indictments all of that stuff i believe that it was in coordination with the timing of production and the same with jen shaw partially okay Two questions. The Jen mm-hmm. Shaw thing has been going on for like many, many years. Mm-hmm. Is that so that Jen, I'm sure, was aware that stuff was coming down the pike prior to even filming Salt Lake City. Erica was served stuff relating to to the Chicago lawsuit and I think other elements prior to beginning to film Housewives. It it was coming down the pike because there had been rumors swirling in the last several years about this. I think it was coming down the pike because it was coming down the pike. I don't know that. Oh, the- no, I don't. I don't believe she didn't know. I just believe that certain things have happened to coincide with production. And because these certain things have happened um, to coincide with production, it's left her like I think she came in pretty strong in the beginning, but now she's like, oh crap, I don't know like who's for me, who's against me. I don't know what new information is coming out. Because remember, we found out later that the first, I think it was the first episode when Sutton was being the good friend who had also gone through a divorce with a powerful man, Sutton offered her money. Sutton wouldn't have offered. So there was so much unknown at that point that we were just catching up on. And I think I firmly believe, and this is also a conspiracy theory. <laughs> okay, I'm glad that you said it. I'm glad that you said it. 
I'm not making it up. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. It's so, totally conspiracy. It's Erica okay. conspiracy theory. Um, I'm Erica Cobb, <laughs> not Gerardi <laughs> Day. <laughs> the Erica on Erica conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> oh, my. I sound God. crazy as hell. No, right I'm now. so into this. I, I won't understand it, maybe, but I would love to. I'd love to walk down this path with you. I, I don't even remember what I was going to say, but the whole thing about Sutton offering her money was a huge red flag to me that there were some things that we did not know, that there were a lot of things that they didn't know when they started production and when everything's, I'm just telling, I'm just telling this is, well, this but thing. I think that's, yeah, I think that's, I think that is of course accurate that there were a lot of things that people didn't know that, that came out during production. I don't know who would have been strategizing for it to happen during filming because, it's like I don't know I don't know how that would realistically I think this was so far above housewives and now we're trying to make it work in a housewives framework that I don't know of the when it comes to like the timing from a production perspective who would be responsible for that production I'm not saying that yeah, they were me. setting it up that way internally at Bravo. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. saying that there's been a concerted effort to build this case utilizing because obviously, you know, Bravo is going to have to hand over the the video and right. all, all of that. They have to hand over everything. So I do believe that there was a concerted effort to get her like to to drop things while they were filming so that they would have like the inside information. Because who's that attorney? Um, is it Ron- Ronald? Ronald Richards. Yeah. Um, the whole thing about uh, Lisa Renna. Yeah, like so there's he's just the bankrupt. He's the trustee, or he's the what is he? He's like the lawyer now representing the bankruptcy trustee, and mm-hmm. whose job it is is to like recover, I guess, twenty five million dollars or whatever. Yeah. So all of so there's like all of these other things at play. It's almost like we have. It's very like meta because we have the show, but then we have the show outside of the show. Like there's all these other players involved. So. Your, your yeah, mouth is just. So I, I I think that there's an argument one could make that there are things that Ronald is doing on social media that are like wildly that make oh, me yeah. feel wildly uncomfortable, and also that do. It is odd. The show behind the show comparison is so spot on in a way that I'm like, why is this? Ha-? Where Ron will react to plot on episodes and tweet about them. And then further operationalize, I guess, his strategy around them as far as like, well, I'm going to serve or subpoena Lisa Rinna because she said something on the show that annoyed me. So, you know, I'm going to make sure that she under yada yada under oath is telling me X, Y and Z. And that's a reaction to an episode. I mean, there are ways that you can talk about the circus that has Mm -hmm. become a really, really serious series of crimes and complicity and, um, you know, Erica, you know, benefiting from this with the diamonds and rosé or whatever you want to call it. Um, (laughs) Though, but when it comes to the drop, I just think that this had been going on for so long and they filmed for such an amount of time 
that it was going to drop on camera or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it was just the tides were changing, but I want, I want to understand this. No, I, I understand this. So I, my biggest question was, cause I thought it was very, I thought the timing was a bit strange, kind of like, especially on the heels of, you know, we also went through the whole Jen Shaw arrest in real time. And now right. that we're getting uh, Salt Lake soon, thank God, um, we see this whole thing happening. And I I'm kept asking, like, how is it possible that we're getting, like, we're not that lucky, okay? <laughs> like, I know mm-hmm. Bravo fans, we want to believe that the Bravo <laughs> gods have come down and converge and just been like, I'm going to bless you with this crap show. But that's not the case. It's not the case. There are some things going on behind the scenes. And that's been my number one question to any attorney who I'm sure just loves at me asking them about the housewives. But anyway, I'm like, how likely is it that there is someone like on the inside in terms of like in the legal world that's orchestrating parts of this? And there's been answers from that's what I would do to, um, yeah, the, the two are not completely like separate. Um, this is going to be the fastest way for, um, what is it called? Discuss, like dis- it helps discovery. with discovery. like all of these different things. And I'm, t- I'm just telling you this, my cons- conspiracy theory, if it comes out in a year, you got to invite me back on. Okay. Oh my God. Because oh my I'm God. telling you somebody is working over time and they are working with production. Even if production isn't in caduce, uh, c- caduce. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm into it. It's a, it's a hoots, it? but it's Ramona. It's, we got some caduce in there. I'm into it. I'm into a medley. I'm into a Dorinda medley. Yeah. Oh my God. That That's just my theory. It's my theory. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna save it. Cause I'm putting my back pocket. It's coming back, <laughs> coming back. You heard it here, folks. First I really, I, I heard it. I'm listening. I am. I, I need to unpack it. I need to sit on it. I think a little bit. I do think oh, yeah. there's an element of Erica thinking she could run the narrative. And so much of that narrative seemingly surprisingly seems to benefit Tom. Mm-hmm. The idea that she's getting married for real reasons. Cause he was mean and cold to her and cutting. I'm sure. And, uh, you know, he happened to fall sick a couple years ago and there was a car accident you didn't know about. And in the preview for next week, guess what? There was another one. And so these things are happening and they're aggravating his brain injury as a result of them. And he's doing things that I didn't expect and having to struggle with uh, answering to a timeline that doesn't make sense because of heavily researched and vetted articles that are coming out mm-hmm. not from radar online or but the la times and she seems to be not thrilled about that right um but her rage directed at sutton at this fucking dinner was so interesting to me when i watched it repeatedly Because she talks about threatening, not threatening, promising, a.k.a. threatening, Mm -hmm. Sutton with a lawsuit if Sutton calls her a liar. But she's not really saying that Sutton called her a liar. She's saying that Sutton called Tom a liar in the lying about health stuff, whatever else, which does not help her in the argument of, we're not sure if this divorce is real. And it Mm -hmm. really seems like everything that you're saying happens to help Tom. Right. 
Right. I mean, what's your reaction to that? I agree. I agree. It's very convoluted. I'm even bringing back up the idea that she said on camera, whether she remembered she was mic'd or not, that mm. Tom called her every day after we were first told that they don't communicate. I mean, there's so many inconsistencies. And then I also wonder, would she have tried so hard with the whole Tom in the car accident story if there, there wasn't this immediate drop of in, mm-hmm. like a in-depth investigation that went back what like 30 years or something crazy amount of time yeah so it's like what she's choosing to say and then the information that we're discovering in real time kind of so but with Sutton the Sutton situation is very interesting because I don't think she would have had this type of conflict with anyone else I think Sutton is a reminder of where she's from and the people who may have been more affluent looking down on her and her family. And then now she's out here in Beverly Hills and she's made it. And now she has this reminder right in front of her of everything that she ran away from in order to become more than. And this woman offered her money, which essentially was offering her friendship because no one is going to loan out that type of money unless they firmly believe that you're able Mm-hmm. to pay it back. And also, unless they firmly, truly have some type of relationship with you, that's very telling that that was done for Sutton and Sutton wanted to do that for Erica. So I think the turmoil there is very deeply rooted, probably in like junior high girls that used to bully her in, in junior high. <laughs> yeah, no, I and I think that, you know, any critique she's leveled about Tom, all of which I have no choice but to believe about the fact that he might be cold or dismissive. She is multiplying that times a thousand by the way she's treating Sutton. And it's mm-hmm. it's a wild thing to have these women tell Sutton that she is weak for not being as expressively vile as Erica is. You're not setting up an even playing field because Sutton's temperament just happens to be different. It doesn't mean that she's weak. Like to call her quirky as Garcelle did, which I think is an accurate, um, uh, accurate, accurate phrasing. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Sutton would necessarily disagree with that. She might, but I don't think it's inaccurate. It certainly comes from a place of love. Right. It's like to weaponize that kind of quirk and to call it weakness because she's refusing to participate in this very fucking weird game that Erica is playing of whomever harms the other person the most first wins. Mm. I mean, the glee, if we're going to talk about like the Candace stuff, this is taking it to a, a totally different level. It's definitely much more performative, but it is just, if not way, way worse because Erica's, she's just so awful. <laughs> like what she's (laughs) saying it's just an like abhorrent display Mm. and I think everyone else is kind of in shock and their reaction to it is to continue to like 
play the normal game of like, well, Sutton, but you lied because you said that you were mad at Erica. And then when you asked Erica if she wants to talk about it, she said, no, thank you. And you were like, okay, well, then I'm not going to. But you lied because you didn't push it a thousand times. And I want you to. I want you to be honest. I want you to say this thing to the person who already told you they don't want to hear it. But I want to hear you say it because I'm afraid of saying it myself. Right. It's just a weird fucking thing because they're they're playing a traditional housewives game Mm -hmm. while Erica is literally breathing fire and these two things don't meet. So I like watch Kyle pushing back in weird ways. I watch Crystal's response, which was a real cringe of saying, well, she deserved it because she called you a liar about these people who lost their entire lives. But and she's bringing up things that are factually correct, but okay, she just and also this. me too. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, it's just a way because those responses are typical, regardless of whether or not you agree with them. They are relatively typical reactions in the world of housewives. Mm-hmm. Someone said something to you, so you push back, and you have every right to. But the manner in which Erica's pushing back and in the environment that she's pushing back is to me like wildly ludicrously absurd. It doesn't make sense. Well, I, I think it actually does because this whole season for her has been a Hail Mary from the beginning. Mm. You know, I mean, this was, she only had a couple of choices. Either she disappeared And the truth is the only way that she knows how to make money and be successful is having this alter ego, this personality and this entire life. This has been the most successful chapter of her life. Mm -hmm. Granted, we now know that it came from the fruits of a messed up tree. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, ill-gotten gains, but this is what she's trying to hold on to. So she could have either walked away and completely disappeared or she is going to come on and try to own her own narrative. I just don't believe that she knew how the story was going to unfold in order to stay ahead of it and keep her story straight. And that's the real problem in this moment because anything that they do on one side, the other housewives is very traditional housewives. Erica is literally fighting for her life. Now, I know people don't like to say it that way because of the situation she's in, having spent money from burn victims, widows, and orphans. Um, But she is fighting for her life and we're seeing it in real time. So all of her reactions are going to be seemingly over the top Mm -hmm. given the space because she has so much to lose, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yet there's stuff that's missing here. There is, you know, the conversation, the conversation of the fucking night to me was PK who gave such reasonable, intelligent, smart Mm. responses in terms of like her persona worked for her before she needs to stop. Now she needs to take this opportunity to do a shift and a change because the idea of the person that she was portraying, the success that she got from that no longer works in this dynamic. And if she keeps putting uh, putting on the show 
in this circumstance, it's going to harm her. She's thinking about the short term in terms of her role on the show, really, and the intention that she's got in her fandom. She's not thinking strategically from a financial perspective, and she's not thinking strategically about the people who are in a position legally, whatever, who are watching the show and watching how she's behaving. And also they're bringing up her behavior on social, which I thought was a really smart point. And there is the conversation to be had about the fact that she does seemingly double down Mm -hmm. on this persona of Erica Jane. It just feels remarkably false. I don't think that false is the right word. It just feels remarkably ill-timed because we are not seeing the other side of it. Like PK Asterit, are you, you know, has she really shown any sympathy toward the victims, yada, yada, and and not to make light of it, but just yada, yada. Right. And Dorit's response is like, oh, yeah, she did. And the cut is, is Erica responding to someone else bringing up the victims. Mm-hmm. And her response is like, yeah, it should be about them. That's not, we're not, the only rage that we are seeing is Erica saying to Sutton, how dare you do your job? You right. are supposed to, we are supposed to talk about things on Housewives except me. I'm in the national news. Everyone is talking about me, but you are not allowed to. If you are a friend, you shut the fuck up. I know what kind of show I on, I'm on, but this is my show. It's more my show than yours. Mm. And if you want to stay on it and not have me and my crew over here push you off, you need to stay dead ass silent because I'm going to sue the fuck out of you, but I'm also going to get you off this show. Mm. And that is, you know what you signed up. Beverly Hills is specific. It's not been great when they only focus on one thing, but that argument does not make any sense. And then you add on the PK layer, which that was incredibly smart. Yeah. Advice that she should take, but refuses to, and will probably weaponize against whomever's giving it of like, this is not a good look. And also you are showing a fucking shit ton of rage, not Mm. anger, but rage of a co-star on a show. That's all about talking to each other because she's talking about things that you yourself have said, and she's doing it in a way that's well-researched. And your reaction to that is to light her, I mean, for lack of a better term, honestly, I'm not even making, but like light her on fire is mm-hmm. like the thing that would, it, you, your reaction to that is to light up this conversation, knowing the construct of the show, which is maybe no longer working in your favor right. as it did before. It's, it's a tough road to navigate. And then everybody else who usually has an opinion is very fucking scared and some of them are more than happy to weaponize Sutton against herself and others are very happy to pretend that they haven't hurt like Rinna's listening actively listening if you watch her reactions mm-hmm. she's listening the entire time as soon as Sutton leaves she goes over to Erica and apologizes on behalf yeah of, I yeah I don't even know what the ears of America she knows everything that happened, but she's playing the part of someone who is too drunk to understand mm. because nobody else wants to deal with Erica in the ways that Sutton is dealing with Erica solo. I think there's another piece that we are kind of missing as we're watching now, because I think a lot of times we uh, we're applying our knowledge 
for, from today mm-hmm. to what was happening months ago mm-hmm. for them. So it's like we know a little bit more than where we are on the show, but they didn't have all of that information when they were filming it. So we're seeing them actively responding. And one thing, just as a sidebar, um, Dorit's family, the Kimsleys, what are their names, um, have been the most honest with Erica. Mm-hmm. These flashbacks. I mean, the little boy said that it was, she was the bad guy. <laughs> I, I mean, he, he did. He really and that did. was, it. I remember thinking that, that I remember watching it that day because that was something that kind of like, you know, when children, especially children, cause he was um, struggling with, he was nonverbal for right. a bit, was very concerned. Mm-hmm. And when he started speaking, he started speaking from the soul. Like that's mm-hmm. how I felt. So when he said that to Erica at that table, um, years ago, I was like, oh, damn, what is she doing? Like, I automatically looked at her differently. <laughs> I did. Children, oh children God, tell the truth. OK, <laughs> they tell you what they're sensing. So I was very alarmed by that. And then although I was also annoyed that PK went like toe to toe with her because I think it was inappropriate for him to do that. Mm. He said some things, too, about her being inherently cold. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, sometimes people who also can have your best intentions and give you the best advice are also the people who are coming at you with the most truth and reflecting you in the mirror. That's the reason why Sutton is the problem is problematic now. And now this whole thing with Pete, because, you know, like eventually that has to become a thing because Dorit's going to say something eventually because Dorit's. Mm-hmm things um so um that that's that's very interesting to me so I just think that anytime I'm watching it I'm always kind of watching it with a grain of salt like who really knew what when and if they knew what we knew now would they have handled things differently because at this point everyone's kind of team Erica because that's been the really trendy thing to do for the last few seasons they never expect that Sutton would at all be a favorite for being the truth teller in those episodes. But they did have the LA Times article, which some of them didn't read because reading is hard. Right. They did have a pretty extensive, which we all know because that's the reason that they said they didn't read it, not because they didn't want it to hear to hear the truth about their friend. They did have a pretty heavily researched and damning report mm-hmm. of the fact that she seemingly benefited from this and regardless tom is like a very bad guy so have they had the benefit of time and stuff that's come out since like no we have that but they have seen her react in a way that is seemingly ludicrous on social in an extended sense we've seen the reactions of things that she has said about Tom that haven't added up with behavior with with reports that have come out following and they see the way that she's reacting to like they do have some examples here of stuff that doesn't make sense we're watching their reaction to it I think Dorit is saying some things in a way that I think are are helpful to the overall narrative of like okay this isn't right what you're mm-hmm. doing right now it's not okay not to the extent of really standing up for something but just in the taking a landscape view of this like trying to zoom out a little bit or maybe being extra zoomed in they do have some stuff that should let them know that something is up here 
that doesn't track with the secrets revealed episode that she seems to be producing <laughs> in group environments. And regardless that she's behaving in a way that is unacceptable, right? I agree with that. But I think that the willful ignorance mm -hmm. is, is, is very intentional and it, it placed in their favor because keep in mind, everyone's calling them the mean girls, mean girls, whatever, mm -hmm. but they're, they're this, they've tribalized. Mm -hmm. And the issue with this tribalization is if one person seems to go rogue in the middle of this, mm -hmm. then it opens it up for there to be all of this cross confusion and like going after each other who's really on your side who's really not I think for a long time that alliance really worked for them mm -hmm. and I also believe that's why they're making Sutton work for her paycheck like we have this we're going to chill out I I do not believe that any of them not Dorit or Lisa Renna Kyle and you know Erica is a totally different subject but they did not see the backlash that they're receiving come. 100%, 100%. They didn't see it because they had really formulated something that worked really well for them. And this is just, I'm just going to be real. I'm going to be very simple about this. This is inconvenient for them. 100%. This is so inconvenient for them that they're not even fully like they're willfully ignorant because that's more convenient. And also there's this whole element of like, well, what about us? You know, I mean, not Lisa Renna, because she's never going to use her own storyline, just someone else's, but everybody else. It's like, well, what about, you know, what am I bringing What about me? What about me? And how am I going to use this person in order to get what I want? So I think there's a lot of that going on too, because for, Ky I mean, Kyle must've said no less than seven times that she didn't read the article because mm. it was too long. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, clearly your investment isn't there, but it's also interesting going back to the Sutton thing, because Sutton seems to have tried to be the best friend to Erica because who else offered her money? And that's how she gets repaid. It's like, it was too real. That PK moment, very real for him to be so transparent. I mean, granted, we all knew that he had legal issues, but for him to say, this is the reason why and based on my experiences, Sutton did the same thing and then she put action behind it. And that's the first person that Erica attacked. And that's the first person that the group, the Alliance, basically tried to feed to the wolves it's uh, to me it's just it plays very high school like you you are either all in or you're all out and Rinna has decided that this is going to be the biggest investment that she's ever made in her entire life I mean she is going so far as to pretend that she wasn't actually listening and Rinna knows herself a tv camera she knows a soap opera moment she knows a scene if you think that she was too drunk to understand in that moment everything that was happening I mean like I don't I actually don't even know what to say and she knew everything that was going on if you watch her expression when she finds out that Sutton was outside after and the, the actual guttural instinctive surprise that she had because she didn't know that information she knew everything else it's it is a look her confessional response to Garcelle stuff being like, what you need me to like, oh, I have to have an opinion, uh, bitch, please. I'm watching that. I'm like, I don't think you believe that in the moment. I think you are putting on a little bit of a show because you've decided that 
Erica is the person that you're going to ride to the sunset with. And that is your, I mean, to talk about a storyline, I think Rinna's storyline is like, we all must support Erica at mm-hmm. all costs and make sure that she feels safe and comfortable and whoever needs to get thrown under the bus. If I have a vested interest in that happening, God bless. It's an extra bonus for me. But regardless, it's just this. I'm going to be a supportive friend because this actually works more to my benefit than, uh, uh, you know, taking responsibility for the critique that was lobbed against me with Denise. This happens to be somebody that I think is a stronger benefit when it comes to the narrative of being a supportive blind friend. Mm-hmm. And the reactions of this, knowing that the reunion, when you guys are listening to this, the reunion will have already taped. It's taping this weekend. I mean, do we think, Think, what do you th- what can you imagine happening when it comes to the Fox Force four and Erica and Garcelle Sutton and Crystal? Like, what do you do you think there are going to be any changes as a reaction to what has been a pretty intense narrative of fans being pissed online? Um, I think that the Fox Force Four <laughs> um, are in some serious trouble because um, mm-hmm. I don't believe that anyone truly knows what direction it's going to go for anyone. I do want to add this little conspiracy theory I'm Lisa Renna front to. <laughs> It oh won't be God, as I'm, crazy. It might be crazier, oh God, so, but okay. I'm, so I'm very, excited. I'm very invested I literally, in I have no idea what it could be. I truly have no okay. idea what it could be. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Lisa Renna is the queen of, she knows everything, seemingly everything about Hollywood history and who this person, but I also call her Lisa curating Renna because Lisa wants to be involved or associated with whoever is the most popular or the most powerful in that moment she wants it just like with Yolanda she messed up that whole thing with Yolanda and then she you know tucked tail and tried to like get her to help her with her daughter's career she want like she emulates all of these things when she talks about Kathy Hilton it's oh that's money like she's a fangirl of power and money and all of this here's something that no one has said and this is my conspiracy I think that Lisa is centering herself strategically in this Erica Jane, Erica Girardi situation because she sees it playing like Kris Jenner with the OJ Nicole. (gasps) And who still can make cameos on these shows? Faye Resnick. Like all of these people, look at the, and how this, how all of these things came together based on this huge scandal that everyone was talking about. And there's this whole cast of characters around these people. And although these people may fall or have terrible demises, the cast of characters blow up after that. And I believe that's Rena's end game. My theory. Who is Erica in that dynamic? Is she Nicole? So Erica, I think I, I don't want to do it like direct because yeah, yeah, that's, you know, obviously, but it's vibe. this is a true Hollywood scandal. These things only come around every 20 years. <laughs> you know, like it does. Like, think about it. Like the OJ trial was in what, 95? Yeah. I, so I could be making that up. I could be making that up. 96, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, that it's my theory. And every 20, 30 years, there's a big Hollywood scandal. 
And everyone who is in the surrounding the nucleus of the scandal becomes rich and famous. Mm-hmm. Cements their place in Hollywood history. I tell you, child. That makes so much sense. Wow. I just literally had a guttural physical reaction to that. That makes, <laughs> that is so interesting. Yeah. That makes, I mean, I, I just have to say that just makes so much sense like the performative aspect of friendship the selective hearing but it's like the big picture of it all like when I when I I don't know why I keep using the phrase zooming in zooming out but like when I saw Crystal's reaction to that to this I was like okay she is very zoomed in on what would be a possible traditional response to something of oh you push against me I'm gonna push back which I did not think in any way fit the actual Mm -hmm the reactual Erica's actual reaction and what you're saying is that Rinna's actually zooming way out and she's thinking about the whole landscape of this and like what is her role in the story when it is once one day once again told like what is her role in that going to be what is the investment that she can make what's the possible payoff in this that makes a lot of sense to me that Erica makes a lot is the of most sense. Valuable person to Lisa Renna on that cast. She is the most valuable person. And that's the reason why Lisa has been, you know, I mean, Lisa has been unapologetically, like to the point where it's like, girl, yeah. like there has to be, you have to question something. You can't just blindly, nah, nah. <laughs> Yeah. So that's, I, she has to keep this rapport. She has to keep some type of relationship with Erica, her entire Lisa's storylines from the beginning have always revolved around someone else's drama. It's never been her personal thing. Even this year, like who's what mother talks about the guy that your daughter is dating for a few months. Repeat. I mean, I understand it's a big story and people were talking about it, but she is way too obsessed with it because now she gets a storyline by proxy. She is the storyline by proxy queen. Yeah, that whole thing sidebar with Amelia Gray and Disick mm. has made me uncomfortable since the very beginning. <laughs> I am so uncomfortable with it. I'm so uncomfortable with the ways that she has like adapted herself to this cookie cutter image of what it means to be and the age somebody somebody put something on social about this and I apologize I forget who it was but it was like you know I this person said I'm not against an age gap you know of however many lord knows I've dated an extensive age gap a little (laughs) bit more than that but there is something to be said about like a 38 year old man dating a 20 year old woman where it's not about the difference of 18 years or whatever the age thing it is the fact that she's 20 years old and Mm. like what has this person experienced in her life what are the dynamics of a relationship you're obviously not looking for an equal partner but like I think of it as like what's the damage that's going to be done from this person getting thrust into like a very adult and possibly toxic environment it's just a fucking shit show yeah shit show oh for sure is he only 38 i think i could be wrong about that i like if scott disick is younger than me then i am seriously (laughs) i'm gonna like what well he's aged all he's had many lifetimes within those 38 years and also the kids and every it's just like not for a 20 year old Mm, to be thrust 
it's there's something odd about that and i do yeah. think it's like a it's just and it's I, I don't know what a person's instinctive whatever yada yada is but i just think you're a 30 30 whatever or 40 something however old he is a 20 year old mm-hmm. and i don't even know if she was 20 when they started or that's how old she is now it's just a really that is a tough look just in terms of what of life experience I don't know. I don't know what kind of guy, maybe many guys, I guess, would be interested <laughs> in that. That's just like, to me, as someone who is not 20, yeah. I just think that's just such an odd, there's some sort of fixation on very young women. Also, the his girlfriend before, whose name I just, Sophia. Sophia um, Richie. Yeah, Richie was all, is also very young. Mm-hmm. I just think there's something... It's They're not about there's he's always been holding out for Courtney. So right, obviously, right, especially yeah. after that leaked DM. Oh my God. I cannot believe that Rena there it all goes back to Beverly Hills. Like look at the I mean, it is crazy. The fact that we do have Chris Jenner, who I died mm-hmm. for, popping up in like fucking cameos because of Kyle. Can I just ask before we wrap, what are your thoughts on on Kyle on the Richards fam? Oh, I, you know, I was really surprised that Kyle Richards was the second richest housewife, according to uh, whatever article this was. She's worth a hundred million dollars. I mean, I could, I don't believe any celebrity net worth thing. That's yeah. I just genuinely across the board. Don't. But I think that Mauricio is fucking raking that shit. Yeah. And he's constantly opening new. It's like no one saw this being the smash that it was. I don't know that he even saw it, but he is doing so fucking well. It wouldn't surprise me if it was yeah. like a seven. And I again, it's like how much of that is in cash? How much is that mm-hmm. associated with like the actual valuation of his company? I, a big number would not surprise a late yeah. two digit millions would not surprise me. Huh? Well, good for them. <laughs> good for them, honey. Um, No, the Richard sisters. Um, I love obviously I love Kathy Hilton. Like everybody mm-hmm. loves Kathy Hilton. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do really appreciate them letting in their relationship because Kathy gives us more context than Kyle does. Mm-hmm. And Kathy can't help it but to give us and it's not necessarily like she says more, a little bit more than what Kyle would say in sensitive situations about the relationships with the family and the sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kathy doesn't really hide what she's feeling or emoting. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she's easier to read because Kyle is a bit more, um, she's more, you know, contrived because mm-hmm. um, she's been doing this for a long time. Um, but I, I do think that I wouldn't be surprised if there was a storyline about Kim feeling left out because that's got to be really difficult, especially both of them are doing so well. And then, you know, there's Kim who we haven't really necessarily mm-hmm. heard from, but kind of via cameo. And she just, you know, Kim's just kind of Kim. So it'll be interesting if she comes on at some point. Mm. Um, But I do love Kathy Hilton. I love her transparency. I love that she definitely had to have told someone that all her edits must be great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
they, oh, were, they knew. Yes. They were like, please, we'll do yes. you a favor. Please. <laughs> oh my God. They fucking knew. And they are giving oh, yeah. us exactly what we, we want her to get a good edit. Like, yes. I don't want oh, her to absolutely. Get a, I just, I like, she's my, um, screensaver thing on my phone is the you can't really see it but the like hunky dory i'm showing oh my, my like her face and a reaction to that i just i love it and i i i just can't get enough listen i could talk to you for literal hours i'm you know i'm so obsessed with you conspiracy oh, theories and you. all my favorite conspiracy theory is that like i cannot now do another episode without you because i just <laughs> think you're so dynamic and I love the ways that you think about things and the OJ comparison I'm going to go to sleep with tonight and I'm really going to like need to rest on that because it's such an interesting nuanced and creative way that I also think is completely correct of looking at housewives their energies the pursuit of all of it the translation of it I can't get enough can you please tell me while I have you Little birdie, tell me about your IGTV series. Can you please tell me a little bit about it? Because I'm obsessed and going to need to watch every fucking week. So thank you. Every Friday morning, um, I drop a series called Who Cares What We Think? It's generally myself. <laughs> the new tagline, by the way. It's on everybody who leaves an iTunes review oh, for AG says. Yeah, oh who my cares God, what we that. think? Um, oh God, it's myself <laughs> and my co-host, Lindsay Granger, who is out on maternity leave. So I've been having a few guest co-hosts. Um, but basically, we started this podcast. Uh, Lindsay and I are both Black women, and we are co-hosts on DBL as well. And we started this podcast at the beginning of the, like, the social justice movement because mm -hmm. we were having these conversations in 30 to one minute, 30 second to one minute sound bites. And we felt like they were deserving of being expounded upon. And now a year later, we get to bring in all sorts of other topics that are trending in entertainment and all of that. So it, it goes back and forth. Sometimes it's a little more serious, but we try to like have lighter elements all the time. Mm. So check us out on my um, Instagram at Erica Cobb. And first off, I'm going to be watching that every fucking Friday. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, my God. Way to start your weekend. Um, can you tell the folks a little bit about Daily Blast Live and come back with Erica Cobb? Yes. Uh, Daily Blast Live is we are on broadcast in about 55% of the country. And then we also air live on Facebook and YouTube. So you can catch mm. us from anywhere. We are a daily breaking and trending news entertainment show. Um, so we're a, an ensemble and we, you know, debate and we agree and we laugh and we cry and we do all of it in real time. So check us out, out on YouTube or Facebook on Daily Blast Live. And then on Sundays or, um, yes, Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, geez, what do I have going oh on? Um, I have my podcast, Come Back with Erica Cobb. It drops every Sunday. Um, and there's a cute little trailer for it um, that you can check out. So uh, yeah, and I get to talk to really dynamic, mostly women, but a few good men too, mm. as Oprah said. Um, <laughs> oh and um, about their greatest comebacks and their testimony teachers and people who have been through some serious things um, who have had major comebacks. And they're basically telling us how they did it. And I get experts involved to uh, tell us the best way to make a comeback for anybody who might be in that situation. 
Oh my god, that's such a good idea for a show. Can I please tell you? Also, the name comeback is just that's because I mean, that's like literally what, but it's also so good. I mean, yeah. can we just like take a moment to talk about the, the synergy you know, of it at all? My comeback with Cobb. <laughs> I love that, guys. While you're listening and watching Erica Cobb just be a superstar, can you please give me a little follow on IG at Dame Galley? I'm trying to get that K. For yeah. Thanksgiving. Uh, yes. Oh, I'm so close. I just need that. K. I just need one K. So yes. Get to it's like girl. I know. It's going to happen. I want Let's get to. our promotional materials out. Thank you. Yes. Guys, if you like this podcast and want to hear me opine about more things in real time, IG at Dame Galley, Patreon, the number one way to support Andy's girls. You get exclusive bonus episodes, invites to special events, and more patreon.com slash andy's girl is going to be a new uh bonus episode up this weekend when this episode drops uh and there's i got some stuff coming down the pike guys so if you're not following on social and the patreon yada yada where you're gonna get some uh exclusive peaks you're gonna wanna be following trust me especially for some people and I can't even say what I was going to say because I would give it away but um, (laughs) that's happening that I'm really excited about and it's all thanks to all of you um, for supporting AG and I do just want to say as one little clarifying PS that in the conversation that we had about Potomac and about the Candace and the triggering and yada yada Mm -hmm. there is a conversation that we can have about people who just truly don't know the impact of body shaming, fat shaming, anything, body dysmorphia, anything like that. And so I want to give grace and just open up the floor to the idea that this might genuinely be a new experience that people haven't thought of where they just think, understandably Mm. so, you're just saying something to make a point, to make an impact. How is this different from anything else? And so my hope is, that by being a little bit vulnerable and opening this up that I can do so in a way to show that, you know, there are things that people typically know not to weaponize. And when it comes to anything having to do with addiction or mental health, there are areas that I think people know enough to say this goes too far. And I think for a lot of people, the journey with hearing about disordered eating, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, whatever it is, is genuinely coming from a place where they they thought it was a superficial lob that they didn't necessarily know the impact of that for a lot of people at home watching some who may experience disordered eating some who um really don't but feel impacted or triggered by it by their own journey and i do want to open up the idea that this might be new information for people I would love to give grace to Candace being one of those people. I don't know that that's actually accurate, Mm -hmm. but I would like to say that when we're having these discussions, it's okay not to have known. It's also okay not to necessarily understand it, but I think listening to someone talk about it is really important. And if the takeaway is, okay, well now that adjusts my perspective a little bit, or maybe in my real life, the ways that I'm thinking or communicating to people, maybe I'll take this out of the equation if I'm having a moment of conflict or something else. If that can just be one small little morsel grain of uh, understanding or nuance that we can have, 
That is a huge fucking success. And there's nothing I want to talk about less than this. <laughs> it's, I think that's the other thing people don't get. It's like, it gives me no pleasure. Right. When, I, when I talked about the Candace stuff on social, it actually gives me a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. because my concern is that that's going to be weaponized. And I know that people can do a pretty good job of right. it. And there are things that can be triggering to me that would never be triggering to somebody else. I think it's important to understand your boundaries, but I also think it's okay to be like, wow, I didn't get that before, but now I listened. And even if I feel differently, I can understand a different person's perspective and open the door to maybe changing my behavior in the future. You know, AG is a show all about discussing the behavior that we're watching on screen, but also our own reactions and the experiences that we have and how that changes our perception of what we're watching and our perception of why some of us might be more upset about one thing than another. Mm -hmm. And if this can in any way help someone or make you feel heard or, you know, give grace to the idea that you didn't know before, but you do now, then like God bless. So I just wanted to throw that out there as the idea that I don't expect that people understand, uh, my life's journey but i do you know give a lot of thanks to the fact that we have really we can have like really nuanced and serious conversations on ag all through the lens of housewives and my hope is that by like sharing a little bit of my experience that that can maybe be a little bit of a counter to what we're watching Mm -hmm. on screen so i just want to leave guys with that and um again if you want to give me your money patreon.com slash annie's girls is the place to be um erica cobb couldn't get enough of you we talked for 700 years because i really (laughs) i could go all night my friend i really can't get enough of you i think you're i mean just incredible and um we need to do a three-peat. You need to come back on soon. I'm going to be all up in your DMs. You guys got to follow Erica Cobb on IG and everywhere else because you are speaking a whole lot of truth, and I can't get enough. Um, and on that note, guys, I hope you're all staying safe, staying sane, getting vaccinated if you can, and we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.